0: What's going on everyone is your boy noob dad gamer and i wanted to first wish everyone a blessed ramadan mubarak and happy easter to all our brothers and sisters in the uae and the world spread the love and positivity and don't forget to subscribe like share and comment on my podcast channel and social media channels as it'll play a massive role in helping my podcast grow and so that i can connect with you the followers I'm excited to present to you my second episode which explores one of the biggest names in the gaming world. One that is both nostalgic and brings a lot of memories if you grew up in the early 90s. So I'm talking about Pokemon. I'm sure that most of you already know what Pokemon is. But for those that don't, Pokemon is a huge Japanese franchise which revolves around hundreds of fictional species of collectible monsters, each having unique designs, skills, and powers. It was originally founded in 1989 in Japan, but the global card game craze actually began in 1998, so that's what we all remember from. And today, it's one of the most successful pop culture and gaming franchises in the world with a net worth of more than $15 million. So what makes this game so special? And why is there such a massive craze around collecting Pokemon cards? And the most important thing that I wanted to explore is how, what kind of impact, does pokemon have on have on children so i explored this episode with my good friend arash andalip he is a massive and passionate pokemon expert and believe it or not he's considered an actual academic professor in the field of pokemon thank you so my much pleasure for, thanks for having me for putting the time when you and i first met we talked about a lot of things when it comes to pokemon and tabletop gaming and mm-hmm. i think it was from that first moment that we first met and we first first talked to each other like the amount of information you just kept on giving me
1: (laughs) sorry about
0: that (laughs) i had to i had to i told you i needed to sit down and we needed to talk about it because one is that even as somebody who is not a gamer and someone who's who doesn't necessarily understand tabletop gaming i'm sure that these people they might know others who are into it people that they care about like their children like their relatives like their siblings Mm -hmm. like even their parents right but before i start the first thing i wanted to talk about is that you're a professor now when you said that to me (laughs) okay can you explain it to me what does that what does that mean
1: (laughs) okay so most people whenever i tell them i'm a professor you know they've they've watched the anime like almost who hasn't almost everyone's, like, seen the anime. And when you say Professor, you're like, okay, Professor Oak, you know, he's going to give me my starter Pokemon, and he's going to send me on a journey to find a Pokemon. And they know, they know, like, all, the, what, 800-something Pokemon now. But in in reality, a professor is a certified representative of the Pokemon Company International. So what happens is if you're interested in becoming a professor, you go online, you go on Pokemon.com, and then you do an application. So you, it, it's a questionnaire where it asks you why do you want to be a professor Sir, why do you um what do you know what are th- it asks you like multiple choice questions essay style questions like um what would you do in these scenarios let's say m- less so like what are name name like which one of these are pokemon as opposed to questions like that it asks you okay so let's say you're running an event and a parent uh and you make a ruling where a child gets disqualified or something and a parent is really angry what do you do so it's more, more the event organizing or judging side of things, where, um, you it's it's more professional, in that sense. It's more uh, like managerial. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I do. I run tournaments. I can sanction official Pokemon tournaments in the UAE. Um, I teach people how to play the game. I work with stores. I get sponsorships. Um, for tournaments, I get prizes, and yeah, that's and, it.
0: <laughs> and, and, and actually, this is like you go through, it's an academy. Like you go through a, a full... Yeah,
1: there's, there's a whole professor university. Well, that's more of a post-COVID thing where they implement professor university. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, it was a forums, Discord. Um, and yeah, there's a huge, like, I don't even have the real numbers. As far as I know, the Discord has about 3,900 professors in it. And we all help each other when we have questions, when we have issues about tournament, running a tournament. Pokemon's there, like people from the Pokemon Company International. They have dedicated people in charge of training us uh, on how to run tournaments, how to make rulings. We have to keep up with the card mechanics and how cards interact with each other. To put it like in terms other people would understand, is like we're all a bunch of coders so we understand how the code works how the code of the game works and we have to keep up with that whenever there's new code we have to study that new code and be ready when that new code comes up in a tournament
0: no i mean you know like there's this one thing that i'm still trying to (laughs) gather around no it's really interesting that in jip so that so that course comes straight from japan correct no
1: it's uh so the pokemon company uh is two two sides so there's the pokemon company and there's the pokemon company international so the pokemon company used to be only in charge of japan so they would have their own system own tournaments own everything completely separate from the rest of the world and then in april of 2020 um the pokemon company took over most of asia so almost all of asia is under the pokemon company and specifically the uae was put under the Pokemon Company International. So the Pokemon Company International has two teams. It's in the US and UK. So uh, they're the ones that manage us. And they're mostly there. They do work with the Pokemon Company in Japan, but they're mostly separate. They have their own videos, their own projects, departments, and everything completely split.
0: So, you know, if you're a certified Pokemon professor, what kind of... Mm -hmm. So apart from the, the privileges that you get, because of your experience and the knowledge and in, in what you've gained from that time um what other what do you do you get like what what other kind of benefits what kind of respect so do people when the when people see you and they know that you're the professor <laughs> do they come up to you no no i'm saying it's interesting because do they like really like they come up to you and they say hey listen you know you're the professor so we know your information is more credible or your authority or your judgment on certain things are more credible. I mean, how does that work?
1: Um, So, yeah, I mean, when players find out, (laughs) when you tell parents you're a professor, they're like, okay, what's that? (laughs) Like, they don't care. But once uh, players start playing and they understand what being a professor is, they basically come to you for everything. Um, They have a question, they come to you. They have an issue with another player, they come to you. Stores come to you and they ask you questions. Like, I work with the little things, back to games, games. uh, GK, uh, well, I haven't started working with GK yet, <laughs> um, and other stores that are now defunct, but usually stores would come to me, yes, um, because other than one other professor, I am, I'm basically the closest line to Pokemon that the UA has. Um, I study, I keep up with all the information that comes out of uh, the Pokemon Company International, I attend the webinars, the seminars, the courses, the Professor Cups, Everything. <laughs> wow. It's kind of yeah. like a full-time job, but you don't get paid for it.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I mean, I think you should. I think you should.
1: I've previously worked in this industry. I've, uh, I've worked at two different stores. I was a community manager. I was, say, I was in sales. And I've been on the other side. I've been on both player side and I've been on the store side. And I can say that it's two completely different dynamics. When you're as a player, you're enjoying these as a hobby. You love to do them. You're passionate about them. You're playing them. You, you're using them to escape. You're you, you go to the store and it's like you're away from the world. You're enjoying your time with your friends. Same as gaming. But then when you move on to the store side, when you start getting paid for it, and when you start turning it into an actual career or a source of uh finance um it changes it stops becoming a hobby it becomes some it becomes a necessity that you need to do every single day and like if i'm not feeling it if i'm not feeling like playing as a hobby i can say okay i'm not going to go to the store and play games today i'm going to stay home and rest but as a job if it's a source of income i have to i have to push myself and then and then that thing just changes so as a professor i'm doing this as a hobby i love running tournaments. I love seeing kids get excited when they pull new cards. I love seeing people do those cool plays in the middle of a tournament, same as you would in a video game, um, where you do like something cool and everyone freaks out and says, like, oh my god, when you draw that card that you needed in that split-second moment, that means like you're going to win or you're going to lose. I love seeing those moments. But if I use this as a source of income, I wouldn't be able to look at those moments. I'd constantly be looking for ways to make more money, ways to Pay rents, pay bills, and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's why I don't really hunt to get paid for it. Um, Usually, whenever I go to stores as well, I don't ask for payment. I say put it in prizes, Um, give the players more prizes, give them free stuff, keep them happy.
0: I remember that we, I remember now that we talked about this when we first met, and Mm. it's kind of, and I agree with you one hundred percent. It's kind of you know don't mix your don't make your hobby your career, you always yeah. have to draw the line between what you're passionate about and what your you know what your professional life is, put a line between them. Okay. Um I remember telling you that I think I could never see even though I'm into gaming and I'm into esports, like they're like crazy. But okay. I don't I don't think that I could ever see myself working in an organization that does esports or anything like that. Because like what you said, if it's, you know, when payments are involved, you mm-hmm. feel like You know, you're waking up to do your job, not necessarily waking up doing something that you're passionate about. You know what I mean? (laughs) I grew up, I grew up, we grew up with Pokemon and and I remember when the craze started, what I think it started, what in 1998, was it 98 or?
1: The training card game came out out in 1998. I'm not sure about the specifics of when like episode one, season one came out. Sure. You can just pull it up on Google, but yeah, it was around that time, 1999 to 1998. Yeah, so I remember millennials basically.
0: I remember my, I I, I remember my, yeah, exactly. I remember my parents. So they bought me the first set of cards. Um, I think I had like maybe five or six cards. And then we were in high school and we used to trade them during recess. (laughs) Um, And it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And then I heard, and then there was all this crazy controversy that it's all part of some kind of, uh, oh, yeah, (laughs) some kind of organization (laughs) that wants to. You know, suck your mind and keep you away from (laughs) your studies. Oh, that flyer! Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no,
1: I I saw a different flyer, a UAE-specific flyer. Whereas back then, it's like Pokemon is a game of Satan. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, "Yeah, stay away from it. It's it's not it's not uh, Islamic. Don't play it. It's banned in the country." Yeah, yeah. Eventually, it got unbanned. I'm not sure when, but in the beginning, it was banned because of like religious reasons.
0: But I couldn't understand why it was. But what religious reasons was there? I mean, I'm trying to understand what was. I
1: think they like drew lines between like Charizard and Satan.
0: But, but Charizard <laughs> Where, like, doesn't they look both like have Satan. Horns. But Charizard doesn't look like Satan. <laughs> like, I, you... I, I
1: can't remember. It's either Pikachu or Charizard. And they were, it was like a picture. It's just like, you, you know, conspiracy theorists. They will draw lines. They will use the most minute details <laughs> to prove their point. Wow. And then the right people found out and banned it.
0: so it got banned so I didn't know that it got banned
1: yeah in this country at some point it was banned for a while for quite a long time
0: okay and then now and then it became another sensation and then afterwards so what happened is in high school we moved on Um, Mm -hmm. I remember there were all sorts of crazes that came up so I don't know if you remember these little toys uh, these little toys where you get to have an egg and then it it hatches it becomes an animal and then you gotta feed it and water so you you know like all these Tamagotchi yeah. Like, I forgot.
1: Yeah, like on the, the little it. toy. Yeah. The Tamagotchi yeah. where you would feed the pet and yeah. like you'd press the buttons and then pick like what food you want to give it, it would get sick and you'd like feel it. Yeah. And then it died. I had one of those. God lasted about like a week. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's some people that have had it for like 10, 15 years and they've been like keeping up with it.
0: Like really 10, 15
1: years. 10-15 <laughs> yeah. years they've taken care of their Tamagotchi. I don't know how the battery lasted that long, but yes, 10, 15
0: years. Jeez. Uh, where I'm leading with this is, what is Pokemon? So let's talk about it. Let's try to simplify things. For those who don't know, <laughs> no, no, it's really it. for those who don't know Pokemon, okay. or even for parents who don't know Pokemon, what is Pokemon? And why is there such a craze around Pokemon?
1: Okay, so the concept of Pokemon simplified is like, Pokemon stands for pocket monsters. So they don't use that term anymore because you don't want to associate monsters with children. In Japan, it's still called pocket monsters, but in, in America, they just shortened it to Pokemon. Um, and it's basically, think our world, but instead you've got these cute little creatures that run around the place, and they have abilities, and then you have... People going and catching them and then they go into tournaments and they battle with their pokemon and they go on journeys and there's legendary pokemon the world you know pokemon are like these myth- there's mythical pokemon there's legendary pokemon and like yeah just convert like norse mythology and all of that and turn them into little cute furry creatures and that's the concept of pokemon so they were there they were there's creatures that like control time and space there's creatures that created all life um, and it gets super detailed and deep, but yeah. And then the the journey of the anime follows this person, this kid called Ash Ketchum, who leaves his house to start his journey, catches this Pikachu, who proceeds to burn his bike, and then that's that's a what 20, 20 year old friendship now, <laughs> where they've gone together through every journey.
0: Yeah. So it started off as a card game before he before it um, became an anime.
1: Yes, it started off as a video game card game see now that that's very detailed see even as a professor i wouldn't be able to tell you whether it started off as a card game or a video game so that's that's what i said in the beginning like professors are doesn't just because i'm a professor doesn't mean i know all the pokemon or i know all the details or lore about the game it's mostly the more you know managerial side of it (laughs) like running a tournament and doing like professional stuff uh but if i recall correctly it started out as a video game followed by the trading card game and then the anime. The trading card game actually started off as a video game.
0: Oh, okay. So, I I mean, I remember... So, my memories of Pokemon are the cards. Um, When Game Boy and Game Boy Advance became a sensation, I remember uh, playing Pokemon. I remember gathering a bunch of creatures. It was really fun. It was... (laughs) uh, Yeah, it was really challenging. And... um, Yep. Imagine if Game Boy and Game Boy Advance had an online feature where you get to play with other players. Just imagine. Oh,
1: that would be that, I mean people have been begging for it for years. Um, there was all, there was trading where you would connect your cable between the both the Game Boys and you trade pokemon around, but that's the extent of what pokemon that pokemon go is technically where you can go around with your friend catching pokemon. Um, but yeah, no MMO Pokemon. Some people did make fan versions of it, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, Pokemon's a very heavily copyrighted <laughs> IP, yeah. and the, the fan projects all got shut down.
0: You had Digimon, and then there was, I think, I think uh, from what yeah, I remember, so there was Digimon, and then I think there was another show that was pretty much piggybacking really hard on Yu-Gi-Oh? I think so, I can't remember.
1: The Yu-Gi-Oh, the card game with Yu-Gi and like the ancient Egyptians in the game in the anime. Like yeah, yeah, the the three the three things that got really big in the Middle East were Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, and Digimon. So all around, um, people, especially Yu-Gi-Oh, became a huge craze. Like I remember in high school, I would just hide in like the the staircase. Of the school, and we'd play our Yu Gi Oh match like in the middle of the staircase. And one guy would stand guard upstairs, one guy downstairs, because card games were like not, you know, school, stu- school stuff. So you're not allowed, you get your cards confiscated. So, um, and there were other people doing the same thing with Pokemon and Digimon.
0: Wow. So <laughs> I remember when we first met, uh, there was a massive Pokemon, there was a massive event happening at the little toy, little toy place, Greg. Right? Uh, place? back to games. Is it? Back to games. Oh, back to games. So that's, that's the name yes. of the store. Okay, back to yes, games. Back to games. It's and in Jumeirah Town Center. It's in Jumeirah Town Center. Back to games. It's a there's a, like I noticed there was a massive community of Pokemon players, oh. uh, tabletop players, and mm. and this was the first time in my life that I actually got to see a live trade event of Pokemon cards. <laughs> now listen, this is something that is very important. I want you. They explain it to me. And what I'm I'm even surprised more, and I need you to explain that even further, is that some of the cards or most of the cards are all listed Mm -hmm. in some kind of website where you can go and access it. It's a universal website where you can access it and actually get the actual value of the card. It's a massive industry. So tell me, so what was exactly happening on that day?
1: So on that day, that was a casual meetup that you attended. So we have, at the moment, two different types of events. We have the tournaments, where there's rounds. And just like any other game, there's a tournaments where people are paired against each other, and they play multiple rounds. Um, And we have our casual meetups, where people come down. They learn how to play the game. They get their trades done, um, complete their collections, um, and just chill, talk, hang out. Just a fireside chat (laughs) on Pokemon um and yeah basically i host those that last for about three to four hours and people just walk around ask for each other's binders um binders like a booklet like a photo album but instead cards And you have all your like cool expensive cards or your collection in there and people just flip through your binder and see what they're missing. They pick the cards they want and then you decide on a pricing structure and you check the prices and then you complete the trade. So either you do a full trade, some people buy them outright and they're like, okay, like, for example, I don't need any of the cards you have. I have this card for trade or for sale. You can just buy it off me. And yeah, each card has its own value. to, yeah, to answer your question about, like, yeah, there's a marketplace for it. Yeah, um, like eBay or Amazon. There's a marketplace called tcgplayer.com, or there's storefronts like trollandtoad.com where they sell specifically only cards or tabletop products, and they have prices for every, each and every single card. And that price is just based off of demand, um, how good the card is, whether it's being played in any kind of tournaments or any kind of competitive meta decks. Um, and all of that, just the price. If today, like a card is super meta, and then tomorrow, oh, there's a counter. Some a Pokemon just reprinted a counter that just defeats the purpose of this deck. The card could be fifty dollars becomes two.
0: So, Irish, so yeah, there's let,
1: an entire marketplace.
0: So, Irish, let me let me ask you this. So, does this mean? And and I'm sorry. See, I'm being an, I'm, I'm being an absolute dad right now. So th- this is how I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Does this mean, because I'm about to drop one of the most noob dad questions ever. (laughs) Does this mean that investing in a Pokemon card is like an investing in an asset where down the line, the resale value might increase, might drop, you know, based on the uh, demand of, or based on the demand and the popularity of the card.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, it's a, Um, it, I can I can go on for hours about this topic, but just to simplify it, yes, Pokemon cards do increase and decrease just like any other market. Um, just like how Bitcoin can spike or crash, Pokemon cards specifically spike or crash. Like pre-COVID, we had a uh, let's go specific evolutions Charizard. Um, it was selling for five dollars, one dollar. You, I was, I had. 40 of them or 50 of them, some ridiculous amount that because I would just find it on tables because people didn't want it. So I would pick it up, put it in my binder. I'm like, people love Charizard. So I'll just give it out like candy. So a kid would come in and say, I love Charizard. Okay, here you go. Here's Charizard. And then COVID happened. And then Logan Paul happened. And then Justin Bieber happened, where they showed off their crazy collections. And then people were like, Oh, this is worth money. I'll buy all of it. <laughs> so that Charizard went from two to five dollars to 500 to a thousand depending on the quality of the card and then you get it graded then you put it up up on auction and it can sell for a ridiculous amounts
0: so let's talk about pricing structure so you're saying that there's a pricing structure so let's say um let's say you have a card you want to sell it how does the pricing structure work
1: um so if you want to, for example, sell a card, generally in this country, we go off of TCG Player or Troll and Toad. Troll and Toad is a storefront, so I generally recommend against it. TCG Player is a marketplace where people will go and put up their card just like they would on eBay. And then TCG Player would have each and every card in their database, and it would show you its median price, its what the lowest is it sold for, what's the highest price it sold for, its median, and its market value. So market value is based off of the number of sales in the past certain amount of time. Then it goes, averages those out and it goes like, it's currently valued at this. And then you just take that number and that's the value of the card. It's very simple. You just search the name of the card and you've got your value.
0: <laughs> and here I thought NFTs and cryptocurrencies were more difficult and so complicated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm probably o- overcomplicating it. It's just, it's based off of what people are selling it for. Um, if everyone decides today to sell this basic if this Pikachu for $20, the price is going to increase to $20 because that's the market value of it. people are selling it for this amount. Um, same thing in real estate. If people start increasing their prices of their properties, the price of a property is going to, going to increase. Just go to the RERA index and then look at like property values. Same concept.
0: One-to-one. One, one. <laughs> so so, so this, the, the pricing structure, is it universal or is it... Per market, like, for example, like each Um, market has its own pricing structure.
1: Yes, each market has its own pricing structure based off of the sales that were done on that marketplace. So like uh, European uh, countries have cardmarket.eu. So that's more for European countries and people from those regions like Germany, France, Italy will sell, sell their cards over there because... TCG Player is an American uh, company, so it's very difficult to like ship it to TCG Player or ship it to people to the US, so they'd just rather keep it in Europe. Um, but over here, we generally use TCG Player because most of the games, it's just that is the market. Everyone knows it. Everyone goes by TCG Player. Speaking That's of- kind of set itself as like the main pricing structure.
0: Nice. Um, yep. Speaking of Logan Paul, he, <laughs> he, carries, he carries around his neck um, an, an encased Charizard card. And, yes. And it's, there's like a big deal around it. Why?
1: Yes. Um, so actually, he, so there's two incidents. There's one where he showed up into the MMA match or something. Again, I'm not too into those. He's, he's, a, sports, he's, a, a, boxer. He,
0: he's a boxer. Yeah, he, yeah,
1: well, he came into the MMA match wearing a Charizard on his necklace because that was the most expensive Charizard. Um, In the world. And because also Charizard is super hype. Everyone loves Charizard. It's like the number one Pokemon that people love. And it's their favorite. It's between Charizard and Pikachu. So he he wore the base set Charizard. The original Charizard. At PSA 10. So PSA 10 means there's this grading company. That will take your card. It'll inspect every single nook and cranny of that card. And tell you how perfect your card is. So that card that he had encased on his neck. Was a graded 10 out of 10. That was like a perfect so mint. pristine. Pristine, like the centering of the card, the edges of the card, the cut, the surface, the font, the coloring, everything. And, that's an,
0: or- and that's an original card. You mean like when you say an original card, so that was printed from... <clears throat>
1: that was base set. Original, first ever printed set of Pokemon Charizard.
0: So we're talking about like, 1998. What, ni- 1998.
1: Yeah, 1998. So that card from 1998 was kept in a pristine condition and then graded and then they put it in a slab and they seal that slab and they put the little grading over there and that's your graded charizard so that's what he was wearing around his neck and recently um i think his debut into wrestlemania he wore the world's most expensive card on his neck the pikachu illustrator psa 10 which Funnily enough, he got from Dubai. <laughs> there's a local no collector way. that owned it previously. Yes. Um, uh, so more details on the trade are going to come out soon, as far as I know. Um, there's going to be a video about it, but uh, that is the world's most expensive trade, if I'm not wrong. Um, five point something million dollars.
0: Five point something. Five million dollars for a
1: card. Yeah, five million dollars for a Pokemon card.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Yes. So it was a trade. It was a trade for a PSA 10 Pikachu Illustrator, which is the world's most expensive Pokemon card. Well, now world's most expensive trading card, if I'm not wrong, Um, for a PSA 9 Pikachu Illustrator and cash on the side.
0: So somewhere in Dubai right now is a gentleman or a woman who owned a Pokemon card and just became $5 million richer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow, and and he traded it for the same card, just one grade lower.
0: Just one grade lower, and how and how he
1: traded the ten for a nine,
0: and and how much was the Charizard, the most expensive Charizard card in the Um, world? Um,
1: the Charizard, if I'm not wrong, again the numbers, there's so many numbers floating through my head every day, but it was about half a million dollars. Wow, yeah, around half a million (laughs) for a piece of cardboard. If I'm if i will oversimplify it yes what am I, or a what? piece of cardboard but in all honesty money is a piece of cardboard so
0: <laughs> well, what am i doing trying to figure out nfts and cryptocurrencies man that... <laughs>
1: just invest in pokemon cards
0: the <laughs> question is is pokemon the the only um card exchange i don't know if that's what you want to call it but the only type of table card, tabletop card exchange industry that's really that expensive or are there other no so there are others. Yeah, that's
1: sorry to cut you off. Yes, there are others. Yeah. Um there's any uh so um there's baseball cards, there's basketball cards, so that's an industry on its own, which I have no knowledge of. I will not pretend to know anything about, but there's some really expensive baseball and uh basketball cards that are from like 1970s or 60s that are selling for ridiculous amounts because they only got printed like 20 of them in the world and they're still in pristine condition. And that's even more of an impressive feat because imagine like Keeping a piece of paper safe in pristine condition from, like, 1970s for, like, 50 years. (laughs) Like, not only do you not know this is going to be valuable someday, you still keep it safe. So uh, there's those. But what is mainstream is Magic the Gathering. So Magic the Gathering is another tabletop game where uh, previously owned the world's most expensive card, uh, which was the Black Lotus from Alpha 1993. Um, And funnily enough, again, same collector that, Traded away this uh, Pokemon card. Also owns that card, <laughs> signed by the original artist.
0: <laughs> so this, so this crazy actually didn't start from Pokemon. It, 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 it There's a, there's a much, there's a much deeper history behind it. So from, because I remember when I used to live in Canada, when I was living in mm-hmm. Canada, uh, we used to trade uh, hockey. So hockey player cards. <laughs> we didn't have yeah. to, well, it was That for, too. It was yeah. It was hockey. It was baseball. Yeah. Um. Uh. Basketball. Not so much. Uh, but yeah, yeah, hockey, baseball, it was a big deal. Uh, basketball, um, really difficult to get an MJ card without having to slay demons and dragons just to, just to get, <laughs> just to get one. And e- and even if you did, you know, you would, it, one of the kids would find out, oh, look, it's fake. It's not original. It's it's not real. <laughs> but, um, so let me, so let me get this right. So Arash, are you trying to say right now is... A Pokemon card, or 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 that kind of industry, is actually more profitable and more secure than NFTs and cryptocurrencies. And I know, and I know that I'm comparing maybe I'm I'm comparing two different things here, but I'm just trying to be practical in the sense where, because when you told me about this, like I understand card games because you can see it, right? You can hold it, you can feel it, you can touch it, and you know it's there. And there is an entire regulation behind it where you would understand if it's original, if it's in mint condition. And even if you, you buy something like this and you want to keep it in mint condition, you know what to do. Whereas in mm-hmm. NFTs and in cryptocurrencies, you're not really sure where to go or, 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 or whether or not the, the, the item, the artwork that you're buying could mm-hmm. profit down the line. You know what I mean?
1: Um, so it's best, it's best to compare Pokemon cards to NFTs because NFTs are single items and Pokemon is also a single item. Um, but if you're going to break it down to its basic principles, your trade, you have a commodity and its value is based off who wants it. That is it. If people want it, that person will pay how much they want for it. So, oh, the price of that item is depending on how much this guy is willing to pay for it, right? At the end of the day. Sure. So, that's the same concept with Pokemon cards, the same concept with Bitcoin, and that's the same concept with NFTs. It's just all about demand that dictates its value. Now, um, it is it more profitable than NFTs? I don't, th- maybe around the same. They're all volatile markets, in all honesty. They're all very volatile markets. Um, the downside to NFTs and Bitcoin is they're very new and they're constantly changing. There is no such thing as old Bitcoin as opposed to new Bitcoin. There is no way to get a Bitcoin that's more secure uh, or safer. Bitcoin is volatile. It's crazy. It crashes today, goes up, jumps up tomorrow. Whereas, let's say, if you go with something like Pokemon or even better yet, Magic the Gathering, you've got Cards that are actually secure investments that are not volatile, that are trusted to be a safe investment. Like for example, in ma- Pokemon doesn't have this, but Magic: the Gathering does. It's called the Reserved List, which means a, a set a, a set list of cards that will never ever be reprinted. They're not going to make more of this card ever again. So you've got the Power Nine, you've got like up stuff in the base set, in Alpha, Beta, and Unlimited in Magic: The Gathering, where there's cards that. They're, that's it. All the copies that exist right now are all the copies that will ever exist. So their prices are going to stay as stable as possible because you cannot fluctuate the market with those. You can't suddenly get 20,000 more reprints and the market gets flooded with new products. That's it. It's,
0: it's ca- safe. So, so it's kind of the same with crypto. So with tokens, like let's say um, you, you create a project um, mm-hmm. and you choose the number of tokens because you, 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 you don't want to pump in too much. So what happens is these cards that are not going to be reprinted anymore, let's say, tw- you know, 10, 20 years down the line, you know, they're going to become, they're going to become, ex- you know, expensive. They're going to become, you know, the, the, the big deal now.
1: They already are. And they already are. Ridiculously, yeah, ridiculously expensive, but they're safe investments. Like prices go up 1%, 2% every year or something. Um, so it's more of a secure investment, like investing in property in a secure area, like in a country where the market is stable. Um, versus Bitcoin, where every day I hear like, "Oh my God, the world's ending!" Bitcoin just crashed. Everyone's losing tens of thousands of dollars, even though Bitcoin has been established for I can't even remember how many years now. It's still super volatile, especially now. So,
0: you know, when you um, when I when you first when we first met and we first talked a lot, uh, I remember um, I remember talking to my brother-in-law. So you know, uh, Hanun, you know, you know Hanun. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, my brother-in-law. So we, we I was. He was telling me about it. He's like, what do you think? And I told him, I need to find a way to get my son involved in this. <laughs> and he said, yeah, he should be involved because, you know, it, you know, it's perfect for his age and everything. I said, no, no. You I, you know, I'm like, listen, after I've spoken to Arash, I remember he told me that the oldest guy in the room during that day was a 55-year-old man who, was, <laughs> who, 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 who had a massive brochure. Made up of, you know, hundreds of Pokemon cards, and he was, you know, out there trading and selling them. But I want to get my kid involved because I feel that there's a massive business element behind it. Like you, you train these kids. You know, when it comes to trading, you know, it's not just as simple as look at this card, look at this, look at this card, yellow. Let's exchange them together. No, they 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 look into the stats, they look into the, the 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 quality, they they start to argue, they start to bargain. So are practic- they're practically learning the whole concept of business from a young age. So, I'm. That's why I, you know, as a parent, I feel it's a really good opportunity to get kids involved yeah. in these types of things, rather than necessarily doing the online gaming and online. Like online gaming is great. Yes, I'm all for it, and I think it's a it's a wonderful experience. But if you want to do something that's a little bit more outdoors, it kind of reminds you back in the old days when we yeah. used to live life when you didn't have the internet or that advanced technology <laughs> you used to do card trades because these cards down the line 20 30 years down the line you know my kid he could easily sell those for millions and 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 be a big player in this huge marketplace you you see a lot of families do that i mean because I, I remember i've seen a lot of kids and 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 the community here is huge and uh I mean, this is that's something that I know that families will benefit from, don't you think?
1: Um, yeah, so it you're, you make some very valid points that like they, it trains them from an early age to understand business and value. Um, whether those cards are going to be worth millions down the line, I'm not so sure because. Pokemon is printing so many copies of recent cards that there's like millions and millions of uh, of the same card flooding the market right now. Like their production has gone up crazy. So maybe not 20, 30 years, maybe a hundred years down the line. Um, but generally when I try and get kids into this, when I try and get kids into Pokemon, I go less around the, okay, they could pull a card that's worth a thousand dollars because a lot of parents don't like that they don't want their kids to be money hungry from such a young age you know they don't want to build that mentality as opposed they go to war i mostly push for um they can learn better math when they're attacking they have to do math in their head they have to understand okay this pokemon has 200 hit points i need to do 200 damage so that my attack does 110 if i use this card it buffs it plus 30 oh that that pokemon's weak to me that's double damage so i have to multiply okay 130 damage times two is uh, 260 so they start doing math and different calculations thinking ahead okay i need to do this xyz i need to draw these cards i need to play these cards and think about oh he's playing these cards so i need to think ahead and they start strategizing ahead so in that sense yes it does 100 percent create a business mind because it it's less so that you're looking at the now, but you're thinking ahead. You're trying to predict your opponent's plays. You're trying to predict what they're going to play five, ten turns down the line and try and prepare for that. So that once they do it, you're ready. You're prepared for what they're about to do. So it builds strategy. It builds um. Math skills, reading, you have to read so much text on cards. Um, And also it creates socializing because a lot of kids right now are having a tough time getting into social spaces. When they're going out and they're meeting people, they find it awkward when someone's standing in front of them because they're so used to being on the internet, being on a chat, you know, chatting to each other. It's in text. It's they're on voice comms. They don't see the other person's face, so they can say whatever they want. Or like the YouTube mentality where you can write anything and you're completely anonymous but then you get put into a community. You're not anonymous anymore. The person standing right in front of you. So your complete, your demeanor completely changes. So that's great for kids because it also gets them to socialize less on the computer, less looking at a screen, less hurting their eyes. (laughs) Parents love that. (laughs) Whenever I say, Oh, they're not going to look at a screen and damage their eyes. They're like, yes, sign me up.
0: (laughs) You know what? I, I agree with you 100%. I like your take on it. I, and, and, um, i'll do the best that i can to get my kid involved but now yeah now 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 here's the follow-up question is there a community here as folks on the uae is there a community here in the uae
1: like just yeah of course there is me (laughs) so i i alongside a few other professors and a few other community members we run the pokemon uae community um if 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 this is a plug, then I'll say um, we are on Facebook, we're on WhatsApp, we're on Discord. So as long as you just Google Pokemon UA, you should be able to find us. Um, and I usually work with the stores and create a schedule every single month. And people can pick whatever time slot works for them and just drop by, get to know the community. If they need any ans- uh, if they have any questions, they can contact me. I'm free. I'm always available to answer any kind of Pokemon related
0: questions. So, so, co- yeah, the, so the community the na- does so, exist. So what's the name? So what's the name of the community on, on social media?
1: So on social media, it's called Pokemon UAE.
0: Pokemon UAE. All right. So Pokemon yes. UAE on Facebook, on Instagram. Yeah. And on, on
1: Instagram specifically, it's uh, Professor Orange. That's me. P- Professor. <laughs> so Orange. Pokemon UAE is not too active there.
0: Okay. Okay. Pokemon <laughs> UAE on Facebook. So that's where they can find you. Yeah. And, yes, and Pokemon And, on and the, the, the meetups that you host. It, it covers all ages. So we're talking as yes. young as... Three. <laughs> no way. As young as three.
1: As young as three. Okay. Um, how old... So there's this player that just joined the community. His dad got heavily into it. Um, he's a coder. And this kid is, I think, six. He's six years old. He just started playing. And then he finished sixth place in for, uh, Saturday's tournament.
0: Arush, I have a Six pre- years old. I have a business. Proposal- I have a business proposition for you. All right, look at me now. Look at me now. I'm trying to sell something for you. <laughs> um, so, so, so the 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 two the two months um, summer summer break is coming soon. So, you know, the term yeah. ends, and then there's going to be a long period where parents are going to wonder, what are we going to do with these kids? Where are we going to throw them? <laughs> Everything is so damn expensive. lord knows how many times i'll go through that and um why do you have you guys ever thought of doing like for example like a pokemon boot camp a pokemon summer camp for children to sort of like what you like what you said get out of that get out to that social space and socialize with different people get to understand um -hmm. how the pokemon game works how the whole pokemon community works what what do you have you ever thought of doing something like that
1: so people have tried to do it in the past i know in the u.s they have it i know pokemon themselves started an initiative with libraries where they're training library staff to be able to teach pokemon and have their own little tiny communities over there um but the biggest issue with a pokemon boot camp is that one we can't have a daycare So parents can't just drop by, drop off their kids and go away because then that's just one person taking care of a bunch of kids. And as as a father, you know the energy levels of kids. Now imagine one person that's 28, 29. Man, I am in another league. Like, I am. I feel so old. When I I see kids with the amount of energy they have running around the store in the middle of a tournament, how fast they... Like, there's... When I run the tournament and I start the kids and the adults at the same time. And both the kids and the adults are playing the same decks. The adults run to time. Like, the 50 minutes is finished, they're still playing. Kids, 20 minutes later, they're all done. They're all done, waiting for their next match. And I'm like, but the round isn't over. And they're like, yeah, we're finished. I I, I don't get it, how fast they play, how, how they fast play? their brains work, yeah. making decisions in split seconds. So, yeah, the biggest issue with a boot camp, what I'm getting to, is that, as someone who's tried doing a small thing with 10 kids, I cannot keep up with the kids. It's when it comes to teaching kids how to play Pokemon and how to keep this, they, their attention span is like a fraction of what mine is. So I need I need to dedicate all of my time in that specific time period to one kid. And try and get him to focus. who Keep reminding him of what he needs to do every single turn. You needs to draw a card. Oh, you need to attach your energy. And keep up with that attention span. And when you make it 10 kids, oh, I almost, that day, I was so burnt out. Because I was there with 10 kids. All screaming, all shouting, trying to organize them. Okay, guys, now you all need to play your energies together. I split them into two teams. I was like, no, I'm not doing this separate matches. This is one match, 5v5. Let's do a team battle. <laughs> What I would recommend to parents is try and bring your kids to our meetups uh one by one or at different times and we can teach them all how to play and then they can become regulars at meetups then they can come to like everyone every month we do we do uh, one meetup per month and one tournament per month so once they get experience that's two weekends where they have something to do where they can meet their friends and on top of that they get to meet the other kids so then the parents can have play dates in their communities they can go to a park and take all the kids and they can play their pokemon games together it doesn't have to be an organized thing so once they become friends then it it's more of a a platform for them to get to meet new friends.
0: I like that, and then I the like, parents
1: take over from there.
0: I like that. I like that. It's really nice. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe you guys might one day decide to partner up with the school, for example. Maybe if that school yeah. is inclined to teaching the kids something a little bit different, a little bit more creative, mm-hmm. tap into that. I mean, um, hey, UAE, you know, I really hope schools in the UAE get to support people like you support this kind of initiative (laughs) no i mean look let me tell you something this is the whole entire concept of the journey that i'm in and trying to understand how gaming works and and really it's amazing that how enlightened i am now how tabletop gaming can also impact children and even adults in such a positive way
1: especially Uh, adults
0: especially adults
1: it's it's actually it's really funny. Like when I worked at when I worked at battles on or Geeky Lizard, it's like almost every single person walk into the store would say, I didn't know this existed. I didn't know this was there. So I'm sure there's thousands of people out there that are interested in tabletop games or have played tabletop games at some point, or have even seen YouTubers or their favorite, you know, celebrities play these games. So for those people, I just say, literally pick up your phone and Google Hobby Game Stores near me. That's it. Hobby game stores near me, or or better yet, whatever game you're into, whether it's Dungeons Dragons, whether it's the Yu-Gi-Oh trading card game, or Yu-Gi-Oh game, Vanguard, Vice Shorts. I could go on for days. There's so many games. Any community-oriented game that you play, own cards of, literally anything. Just go on Facebook, write Pokemon UAE, Magic the Gathering UAE, anything. Just name, put your country name put the game you play you will find a community whether it's a video game whether it's a trading card game there's always a community for it nice <laughs> so yeah it's very simple nice and once you once you actually enter that community even if it's five even if you find a community with five players in it there's a group call, fi- find a group called pokemon ua that there's five members don't don't uh, don't think it's only five join interact with one person, maybe they just do online meetups. Maybe they have their own private WhatsApp group with 200 players over there and they just don't bother to use Facebook. If you went onto the Pokemon UA Discord uh, server, you'd think there's no one, no one's playing this game because they, the community here prefers WhatsApp. And you look at the WhatsApp chat groups, you wake up and there's 500 new messages. Every single day. <laughs> nice, nice. So, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I'd recommend. Some games have on their website, like Magic the Gathering, you can go and find, there's a store locator, which tells you the official stores in your area. Um, and some games just have communities on Facebook or Discord or Instagram or anything. Just whatever social media platform you're on, contact a store in your area, ask them if there's a community, and they will answer you. The only issue with Pokemon is if people go to, like, virgin Mega Store, they go to like geeky games and they ask is there a community nine times out of ten they're going to say no because they just don't know the pokemon like if i were to tell you like i told you that day on the store there's thousands thousands of people in the uae that own pokemon cards thousands of kids that own pokemon cards and even more so owning fake pokemon cards They just either don't know what to do with them. They don't know the community exists or they think, oh, the kids in my school, that is the essence of the community is I play with the kids in my school. Yeah, there's probably kids in other schools, but there's probably nowhere they all gather around, right? Because that concept is just so foreign to this country of like a community oriented store, a store where you can go and play for free. You don't have to pay per hour. You can just go there. There's a table, sit down, play games with your friends. That's back to games for you. There's tables there. Go there, sit down, play. They even have demo games for you. You can go with your friends, borrow a board game, and play that game. they are demos, so you could buy them later if you want to support that store. And if you like to have a place where you can play, definitely go and support that store. But that's the concept of it. It's a community-oriented store. The owner of the store wants people. They, he loves the atmosphere of people gathering and having fun together. So you open a
0: store. <laughs> Irish, um, I'm going to conclude uh just asking you a little bit about yourself so was was pokemon something that you had a passion for at a at a much younger age i mean when when did when did the whole fascination ever start for you
1: well, <laughs> so the truth of pokemon is actually a lot of people even community members don't know the story. this is my story with pokemon so i didn't grow up with pokemon actually i grew up with digimon I was a huge Digimon fan. I would watch Digimon 24-7. That was like my thing. And then followed by Yu-Gi-Oh! For Pokemon, it was when I, I was at Comic-Con 2014. And I, I was looking at the... I, po- I saw Pokemon decks and I was like, this looks cool. Oh, this Pokemon looks so cool. I want to I wanna play this. Is there a community? And, and the owner said, oh, no, there's no Pokemon community. So I was like, okay, whatever. And then uh, when I started working at Geeky Lizard, I, I again asked the question, is there a Pokemon community? He's like, yeah, I think there is, but I, they gather elsewhere and they do things. So I'm like, okay, I'll start a community then because this game looks cool. I, I, I played a game and I'm like, this is pretty fun. I'm, I'm going to create a community. And that's literally it. I, I, I wanted, I, I enjoyed the game. I was like, this is fun. And I started getting people into it. And people would come, oh, you like Pokemon? Okay, great. I'm, I'm planning on doing meetups every Thursday. Would you be able to make it every Thursday? They'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. One person turned into two, turned into four, turned into eight, 10, 20, 30. Now Pokemon UA 670 members. We've got 670 members in the Pokemon UA Facebook group. The WhatsApp group now has 150 active members. And it just grew. <laughs> That's it. You just have to find that community champion that does event does gatherings consistently gets people to actually involve themselves and that's Pokemon for me it wasn't a passion that started from a young age it wasn't something that oh was part of my life it was just I found it cool and I started it so
0: (laughs) Irish I I have to say I really admire (laughs) no no I really admire your passion um you're clearly you you know I can you can clearly feel um from this conversation like how dedicated and how passionate you are to doing this. And um, <laughs> I really, I really do wish you all the best. I really hope that it becomes it, it grows even further. Um I'm, I'm I mean Arish, thank you so much for your time, man. Nope, my it was, pleasure. It means a lot, <laughs> man. And I wish you all the best. And yeah, bro, thank you for your time.
1: <laughs> thank you. You too. Thanks for having me. It was I had a great time. <laughs>